Well, today I want to return to a series that I uh, was in a few weeks ago. Uh, we took a break from it last week. I preached a sermon um, called uh, Ranch on a Hill, how to, be, uh, how to Live as a Christian in a Politically Correct, correct World. Um, it, was, uh, it, it was an amazing you know, thing for you know, God to share, and God has uh, used that. But I want to return to a series that I was in the last few weeks. And the series is entitled, The Drugstore Christian. The Drugstore Christian. Now the subtitle is this, How to Become the Real Deal. How to Become the Real Deal. Now if you think about a drugstore cowboy, obviously, and we've explained this, but you think about someone who is maybe a fake imitation of the real deal, right? Someone that maybe looks the part, that maybe, you know, wears the boots, wears the hat, all that stuff, but they're really not living the lifestyle. And if you're a drugstore cowboy, we love you. (laughs) It's awesome. We're so glad that you're here. We're glad, you know, that you come to our church. We're not picking on drugstore cowboys. But, but, But here's the thing. The real deal cowboy is the guy that not only wears it on the outside, but he actually lives the lifestyle. And, and, and that's cool, too. We love real deal cowboys as well. But, but here's the thing. Sadly, and, and this is where we parallel it to the Word of God. Sadly, I believe that we live in a world that is full of drugstore Christians. Drugstore Christians. People that maybe, you know, look like a Christian on the outside, but don't actually live the life of an actual Christian, an actual follower of, of Jesus Christ. And we've looked at this. And, and, and here's the thing. The goal of this series isn't to make you feel like a jerk because you're a drugstore Christian. The goal of this series is to show you how to become the real deal. So you can sit in your little pity party because you don't live a perfect life. And none of us really, none of us do. Only Jesus did. But that's not the point. I mean, exposing sin is what God has called us to do. But more importantly, he's called us to show us, he's called me to show you how you can become the real deal for him. Does that make sense? So again, please take that for what it is. We've answered the question, what is a drugstore Christian? I mean, what do they, what do they look like and how do we come, become the real deal? Number one was this, and we looked at this a few weeks ago. The drugstore Christian believes in God, but doesn't know him. A drugstore Christian, again, they may believe in God. They believe there's a God. They, you know, claim, yeah, I believe in God, but they don't know him. You say, well, what's the difference? Well, the difference is if you truly know God, then you've actually experienced him. Just like being a real cowboy. If you're a true cowboy, then you've experienced the lifestyle. You've ridden the horses, you've drug cabs, you've done all those things that a cowboy does. It's the same way as a Christian. You, if you, you know, again, if you are a drugstore Christian, you may just believe, but you don't actually know. So it's a matter of experience. Um, and it's also a matter of living for him. Number two is this. Drugstore Christians don't fear God. I don't fear him. Um, you know, you say, well, what does it mean to fear God? Well, loving God plus respecting God equals fearing God. It means you love him and you respect him. Therefore, you fear him. And that fear, it doesn't lead you to tremble in your boots and, oh, you know, the Lord, I got, I'm going to get scared of him. No, it means that you obey him. Fearing God equals obedience. And you obey the whole truth of the word of God. Uh, number three was this. The drugstore Christian is silent about their faith. 
They're just, they're silent about it. But here's the thing. The real deal Christian, they know what they believe and they know how to share Christ with somebody. That's what the real deal Christian is like. Now you say, well, where are you going to go with this? Well, today I want to expose another truth about at the drugstore Christian so that we can become the real deal. How many of you guys want to be the real deal? Anybody? Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, we hope all of you want to be the real deal. So here's number four. And again, we're answering the question, what does a drugstore Christian look like and how do we become the real deal? Number four is this. Drugstore Christians aren't a threat to the enemy. <laughs> Let that soak in. If you are one of those that maybe just believes in God, that doesn't fear God, that doesn't actually live for God, you're not a threat. You're not a threat. I mean, that's the a drugstore Christian. They, they aren't a threat to the enemy. I'll give you an example. I was just, this was just the other day. We're kind of renovating our kitchen, and we had some construction guys over at our house, and I got to meet one of the construction guys, get to chat with him. I'm a great guy. I mean, just awesome guy. And uh, we began to talk, and, 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 and he, he, he made this statement. He hadn't been to church in years, and, and we were just chatting about church and stuff. And he says, you know, Bo, I don't, I don't have to go to church to be close to God. And, and my answer was, you're right. God is everywhere. I mean, God is, is, you can worship God anywhere you want. But here's what I, here was my reply. I, I don't go to church necessarily to get closer to God, even though I can and I do and I worship Him at church. I go to church because when I'm down, I get lifted back up. Does that make sense? But listen, here was his reply. His reply was this. I'm never down. <laughs> I mean, that's what was, I, and, and he said, you know, life's good. He goes, I got a good wife. I got a good job. I mean, I, I got a lot of money. I mean, I, 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 life's good. You know what my first response was and in my mind? You're full of crap. <laughs> that was my first response. I mean, how, how can you be, how, there's no way that you can have a trial-free life and have no problems. There's just no way. But, but, here's, but, but that, that led me to this. Here's what I've learned about our enemy, the devil. Here's what I've learned. Listen to this. He leaves the drugstore Christians alone because they're not a threat to him. Because many people just believe in God. They don't know him. Because many people don't really fear him. They're not a threat to the devil. Therefore, the devil leaves them alone and they get to live a good life. And, and, and I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes I envy their lifestyle. Just me. I mean, I look at them and I think, well, you know, but, you know from the outside looking in, they seem to be having a lot more fun. From the outside looking in, they seem to be a little richer. From the outside looking in, they seem to not have a wor- you know, worry in the world. They don't have any trials. They, the life is good. That's from the outside looking in. But what I have to remember is this. In many cases, their outward perception is just a show and they're really miserable. It's just a show and they're really miserable. And also, here's what else I have to remember. Though that the, the devil may leave them alone for today, guess what? One day he's going to show his true colors and he's going to kick them in the teeth when they're not ready. You know why? Because he's a liar. 
And so they may have the high life for now. They may think, well, life's good. But one day, the devil's going to show up. And in, in many cases, they've wasted their life. And it's too late. You say, well, Bo, how do you know this? How, how, does, how do you know this? Well, the Bible, know, the Bible tells us. The Bible shows us. Look at Psalm 73 with me. I want to read it to you. It's kind of a longer chapter, but I want to read it to you. This, the, the writer here, he, he talks about his own envy of, of, you know, again, the drugstore Christian or the, the, the people that don't necessarily live the life. Listen to what he says. He says, truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear you know, pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. Then their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against every, or the, they boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused drinking in all of their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what, but what a difficult task it is. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood their destiny, the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by the terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and leading me to a glorious destiny. Who am I in heaven but you? I desire desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. And my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert you or desert him will perish. For you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter. And I will tell everyone about the wonderful things that you do. Wow. Powerful. I mean, that's a powerful scripture. I mean, again, the, the writer tells us that the people who don't know God and, and, you know, they seem to prosper. He says, I envied them. I envied them. I saw their prosperity and I almost slipped into thinking that they don't have any worries. I, I was in a dark place of wondering why I don't have what they have. But then this, this writer went 
into God's presence. And God showed them the destiny of those who don't know him. God showed them that they would be destroyed. Then the writer says, forgive me, Lord, and, and, and forgive me for envying them. And, and he thanks God for holding on to him and not letting him slip. And he says, it's better to be near you, God, than it is to have a trouble-free life. Amen? Is that good stuff right there? So here's the thing. The drugstore Christian... The person that doesn't know God, that, that doesn't fear Him, they're not a threat to the devil. They're not a threat. So the devil says, go ahead, live a high life for a little while, but I'm coming. And he lets him ride. Here's the reality. I believe that this is why it's so hard for some people to come to Christ. They look at the, the people that, again, maybe are mediocre, lukewarm. They look at the people that, you know, say they believe in God, but they don't, they're just living for themselves or they're living for the world. They look at them and they see the high life that they get to live and they go, why would I want to be like Bo? Why would I want to be like some of those church people? They seem like they have, you know, trials and they go through, you know, tribulation. They're persecuted by some people. Why would I want to do that? And I, I, honestly, I believe that's why it's so hard for many people to want to come to Christ. But here's the thing. I, I, I want to say this. On the other hand, the fact is real deal Christians are called to be a threat. They're called to be a threat. I'll, I'll give you an example. How many of you guys have ever been in a competition of anything? Sports, athletics, anything? Competition? Yeah, yeah. How many of you guys have ever showed up and, and you, let's say you're at a ranch rodeo, you show up at a ranch rodeo and, and there is that team that wins everything. Anybody? You've been to the you know, competition, maybe you're a wrestler and you showed up and there was that wrestling, you know, that other guy won state last year. I mean, maybe, you know, you, you were in track and, and you, you show up and that team is there and, and, and you go, dang it, there goes our chances of winning. Why? Because that team is a threat to contend with. Right? Here's the thing. As Christians, I believe that the devil ought to tremble when we show up. You know why? Because we're a threat. I mean, a devil, you know, he, he ought to say stuff like, Oh crap, Bo just showed up. And he's got some spiritual power. Julie just showed up. And she's the real deal. And he trembles because we show up. Listen, that's what it means to be a threat. Daniel 11.32 says this, But the people who know their God will display strength and take action. One of our values that we hold dear in our church, it's part of our Thousand Hills Code that we live by, is that we ride with guns loaded. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, it means that, that, that we are prepared to fight the enemy. We have our guns loaded and we are ready. We are strong in the Lord. We are filled with His Spirit and we know His Word and we are a threat to the devil. That's what we're called to be. That's what we're called to be. And you say, well, okay, Bo, how, how do I show that I'm the real deal and become a threat? How do I do that? Well, I'll give you, I'll give you two things. Ready? Number one is this. You count the cost. If you're going to be a threat to the devil, you need to count the cost. It, it, it's just, as, it's just as, as simple as that. You have to ask yourself, do I really want to pay the price to become a threat to the devil? Look at Luke chapter 14. 
It says this, but don't begin until you what? What's it say? Count the cost, right? Don't begin until you count the cost. For who will begin construction on a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or, listen to this, or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. Listen to verse 33. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. You say, what's that saying? It's saying count the cost. You say, well, I want to be a threat. Well, you need to count the cost. I mean, Jesus is saying we've got to count the cost because here's why. Because becoming a threat means that you're going to enter into a fight. Anybody ever been into a fight? A bunch of women. So, so I'm, I'm feeling good today about all the women that are going to have my back. You got you. You know what I'm saying? A bunch of women been in cat fights, pulled hair, you know, all that stuff. But here's the thing. If you've ever been in a fight, you know, I mean, it, it just, it's intense. It's intense. But here's the thing. Following Christ is not easy. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Are we going to win in the end? Absolutely. But it's not easy. You say, what is it going to cost me? It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you energy. It's going to cost you sweat. It's going to cost you tears. It's going to cost you pain. It's going to cost you disappointment. It's going to cost you betrayal. It's going to cost you all of these things to truly follow Him. It means that we are going to be taken into some dark places that are going to have the potential of getting a little hairy. I don't know about you, but I want to get in the fight. I don't want to be on the sidelines. I don't want to watch my buddies getting beat up by the devil and just sit on the sidelines and watch them get their butts kicked. I want to get into the fight. I want to take some ground for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want to leave out. I want to lead this church. I want to lead my family. I want my kids to know that I'm a powerful man of God. Because I'm making a difference. That's what I want to know. I want my kids to know that my dad's a threat. You mess with my kids, you're going you're to pay. You mess with the church, you're going to pay. Because we're a threat for the glory of God. And you say, well, how do I become a threat? You, you count the cost. Here's the thing. I believe that we can win every single battle. You know why? Because here's why. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? So you say, well, but how can I become? You've got to count the cost. Number two is this, and I'm done. Number two, you want to become a threat? Here's the key. You've got to live a righteous life. You say, but I thought you was going to give me some ammunition. I thought you was going to tell me how to, you know, some weapons and all that stuff. I am. You say, you say, how do I become a threat? 
you live a righteous life. Listen, if you will live it, if you will love it, if you will not just talk it, but that you will walk it, if you will walk in complete obedience to the Lord Jesus for His glory, that produces power. It does. It produces power. Righteous living produces power. And you say, well, how do you, how do you produce that power? Well, you live a righteous life. You say, how do you tap into that power? You tap into that power by being a righteous person who prays for God's help. You want to see some people healed? You want to see some people come to the Lord? Live a righteous life and ask God. You want to see your kids come back to you and stop living the lifestyle that they live and stop twisting off? Live a righteous life and then pray and ask God. The righteousness of your life produces the power that God possesses. You say, well, how do, how do you know that? Because here's why. I believe that God listens to the righteous, but He doesn't listen to the drugstore Christian. You say, how do you know that? The Bible tells us. John 9, 31. We know that God doesn't listen to the sinners. And by the way, we're all sinners. This is talking about people that don't know, know Him or don't live for Him. Uh, he says that God doesn't listen to the sinners, but He is ready to hear those who what? What does it say? Worship Him and, and do His will. James 5.16 says this. The prayer of a what? A righteous person is what? Powerful and effective. You say, well, how, do, how do I become a threat? You live a righteous life. You know what the devil does when you don't live a righteous life and you pray? He laughs. <laughs> He's like, oh, you think your God's going to come to your side when you're living contrary to what he has asked you to do? But you know what the devil does when you begin to live a righteous life? Not a life of perfection, but a life of glorifying God. You know what the devil does? He trembles. He trembles. You know why? Because here's the thing. When we are weak, he's strong. <laughs> when I'm weak and I'm saying, okay, I can't, I can't do this without you, Lord. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to do all that I can for you. But I can't do this without you, so I'm relying on you. You are the Lord of my life. That's when we are strong. It's when we try to rely on ourselves that we get weak. It's the Lord that gives us the strength. And so here's the thing. Living a life that honors God. Living a life that pleases Him. Living a life that aligns with His Word is what makes us a threat. Because when we do that, God fights for us. He fights for us. And so here's the thing. If you, if you think you know, the Lord's on your side and you're not living a righteous life, you're fooling yourself. Every time I disobeyed my parents, guess what they did? They punished me. They didn't work with me. They worked against me. My mom worked with a paddle. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Or, or a tennis racket or a two-before or a switch or a rope. Whatever she could get her hands on. She raised three boys. And she's about four foot eleven. Her name's Cricket. Don't let the name fool you. She's like a big bug. I mean, she's, she's not fat, but she's, you know what I'm saying? She's, she's I mean, strong. She's a woman. But here's the thing. We, if you want to produce power, if you want to be a threat, you've got to live for Him. And, and here's what I want to say in closing. I want to I give you this wisdom. 
Because when you enter the fight, it's going to get dark. You say, well, what, why, why I mean, knowing Christ gets dark, yeah, it gets dark for a while. Joy, joy in Christ isn't the absence of trials, it's the victory over them. Okay? But listen to this. When it gets dark, never doubt in the darkness what God has taught you in the light. Amen? Don't do it. I mean, don't do it because you are going to get into the fight and you're going to go, crap, is this stuff true? Crap, is this what's really going to work? Crap, is this? Just believe what he taught you in the light. Because when it gets dark, I mean, again, it can be a struggle. But believe it. I mean, the times that I've been the darkest, the times that I've been in the most, the the biggest fights are the times that, again, I have to rely on his power. I have to rely on his word. I I recall the scriptures that I learned when I was a kid. Because I can stand on those. Because they're true. Because they're promises. Because he is faithful. And so in the darkness, don't forget what he taught you in the light. It's, it's what you have to stand on. And so here's the thing. Are, are you a threat? Or is the devil laugh when you show up? I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. I want you to answer the questions that I just asked. Are you a threat? When you, when you show up on a, at, a, at a hopeless situation, does the devil tremble? Do people look and go, I'm so glad you're here. And you're, you may be thinking, well, but I, I'm not perfect. I don't live a righteous life all the time. Listen, we, none of us do. But don't use that as an excuse to be a weak Christian. Live for Him today. Get up tomorrow and live for Him again. You fall down, get up. Allow God to, to pull you up and to strengthen you. Sometimes your, your greatest, darkest moments can be your most victorious moments. Because they'll strengthen you. They'll empower you. So don't run from the darkness. Run into the darkness, but carry the light. We have the power in Jesus to make a difference in eternity. Let's fight. And so, again, are you a threat? Are you just a a weak stick? Are you just a lukewarm Christian? My prayer is that you will count the cost. That you will become a threat. And that you will begin to fight with power. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I, I don't even know... Jesus, how do, how do I even come to Him? I mean, I, I can't do this on my own. I know that. So how do I come to Him? Listen, the Bible is clear that you don't have to clean up to come to Him. You come to Him dirty and He will clean you up. 
You come to him weak and he will make you strong. You don't have to get strong. You don't have to, you know, again, you don't have to, oh, I got to do all this stuff to get right. No, listen, you go to him and he will make you right. The Bible says that if you will confess him as your Lord and your Savior, and you will believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. No matter what you've done, it doesn't, it can't overpower the forgiveness of God. And so maybe today, right there in your seat, you just need to pray a simple prayer. A prayer of confession. Maybe it's something like this. Lord, I confess you as my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and make me the real deal. Listen, maybe you just prayed that simple prayer. It's not about the words. It's about your heart. If you meant that with your heart, you have now began a personal relationship with the Savior of the world. And now you have power that is beyond this world. It's supernatural. It can overcome any obstacle that you face. Will you fall on your own strength? Absolutely. But will you be able to rely on Him and will will He strengthen you for every situation? Absolutely. And so we rejoice if you prayed that prayer for the first time. Here's what we ask you to do. We don't, we don't keep records. We don't want to, I mean, people think, well, you're just making it all about you. No, listen, we want to know that you've given your life to Christ so that we can come fight with you, so that you can join our fight, so that we can walk alongside of you, and so that we can, we can win victories together. And so here's all we ask you to do. Fill out that orange card. Right on there, I gave my life to Christ, or I'm, I want to become the real deal. I'm recommitting my life. I, I want to show the world that I'm not ashamed. Write it on that card. Place it in one of these yellow buckets, and we'll contact you about your decision. It's that simple. You say, I don't have an orange card. Text your name to the number on the screen as you leave today, and we'll contact you. You don't have to text anything else but your name, and we'll contact you. It's that simple. Lord, I I come to you right now and I thank you for those that are living the real deal life. I thank you for those that are in the fight. I thank you for those that are maybe going through the trials that maybe other people don't have to go through because they're wanting to glorify you. And so strengthen them. Strengthen us as a church. Strengthen, you know, every Christian outside of our church to stand up and to fight the good fight for your glory. And Lord, for those that maybe are a drugstore Christian, that, that, that kind of look the part, but they don't live the part, I pray that they would become the real deal. That they would make a commitment today to say, Lord, I want to be the real deal. Show me what that looks like and help me to get there. Lord, I thank you for the, for the greatness and the power that you possess. May we utilize that power to change the world. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being here. Let's give the Lord a hand today. Have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Bo Haig at Thousand Hills Ranch Church in Woodward, Oklahoma. Please join us next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Woodward Livestock Auction. Nothing but the blood of Jesus